0: Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the blessing of this opportunity to worship you today. Thank you, Lord God, for another day of life. Another day to learn more about your grace and your mercy, Lord. And we pray that as we gather together, Lord, your spirit would be powerfully present with us. That you would speak to us. That you would break down our barriers, Lord, between us and you. Break down those walls we have erected, Lord shine your light into the darkness and we pray that you would give us true life lord god place your word upon our lips lord that we might be faithful in proclaiming it and we pray that you would do great and mighty things among us today we pray this in jesus name amen please be seated morning it is super great to see you all today well i brought in one of my tents this one is a three-person three-season lightweight backpacking tent Right, so three season, what does that mean? Everything but winter, that's right. Uh, and the reason this is not a winter tent is it's got mesh, like most of the wall is mesh. And how well does mesh work in the snow? It's not ideal, right? Um, not many of us wear like mesh jackets to go skiing, right? You know, because it's just, our, you know, just put up screens in our windows for the winter time, Like leave the, the glass open, but ah, the mesh, that's nice. No, we don't do that, right? It's, so it's designed for three seasons. If you want to go climb Mount Everest, you got to get a winter tent. you got to get a, like an expedition tent. Um, but for summer and spring and fall, it's glorious in this thing most of the time, right? Because the wind blows through it. It's nice and cool and airy. It's kind of like a white color, like so it doesn't get real hot. It's really a nice tent. I have a lot of fun in it. But you know, tents are designed for a purpose. If I wanted to have an elephant and a three-ring circus, would this be a good tent? No. I mean you haven't seen it, but just take a guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it would not be a good tent for that. You'd want something much larger. If you were gonna go t- like pack like with a pack mule. Right back in there and you were going to bring a pot-bellied stove and stuff like that, would you want to bring a tent like this? No, you bring a big canvas wall tent, right? You stand up in the thing. That'd be nice. Fireplace in there? Be lovely. But not this tent. This tent is for, for a specific purpose, just like every tent is. If you wanted to go backpacking, would you bring a circus tent? No, that would not be the easiest way to backpack. If you had a thousand friends. That's right, with really strong backs. And a lot of chainsaws to clear out a huge opening area, right? Yeah, everything has a purpose. Every tent has a purpose. Let's jump right into our passage from 2 Corinthians. Today, we're looking at this letter, which comes as a response to a complicated relationship to the church in Corinth. Paul had founded the church of Corinth. Now Corinth was a flourishing Roman city, which benefited from its location along a major trade route uh, from north to south, and also was a port city, right? There was, there was, the ocean was right there on it. And so it had a strong military presence and was influenced by religions from all over the world, right? All this trade and commerce brings in all these other religious influences, all these other worldviews. And those things all seeped into um, the daily business life and governance of the city. Even though Paul had founded this church, the Church of the Corinthians, after he had left, people who opposed him had come in and sowed seeds of dissension. And so there had been a rebellion. Right? They had basically said, we don't want you back, Paul. We're not interested in you anymore. Uh, we don't like you at all. And so Paul had sent letters and emissaries to the church to try to work out these issues. How well do you think this worked? It actually worked! It actually worked! Right? I set you up for that one, huh? You were expecting me to say it didn't work at all. Um, but most of the church really came back and they said, All right, Paul, you're our guy. Some of the church still were of the opinion that Paul was not a good guy at all and was preaching a false gospel but most of the church received him again. Paul writes this letter then to this mixed group of people with whom he has a very complicated history. He founded the church, then was hated by the church, then was reconciled to most of them, and now sought on to carry his ministry to them. In our passage, we see Paul emphasizing the confidence that he has in Jesus Christ. He expresses the confidence in this way. The one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Paul is asserting that he believes that God is in control. God is ordering and carrying out things so that just as Jesus was brought to the Father in the ascension, so will we be. Nothing can get in the way. There was nothing that could prevent Jesus from coming back to his Father. In the same way, nothing can stop us from being brought to God on the last day. Because of this, we do not lose heart. Since we have our confidence that the future is in God's hands and that whatever may befall us, we will not be taken from Him, we don't lose heart. Unfortunately, there are a lot of things which really tug on us to lose heart, aren't there? There's death disease, loss of job, loss of status, Um, I don't know, can you think of any others? Health, yeah, loss of health, absolutely. Loss of family, family? yeah, breaking down in your car, a big zit on your nose for graduation day, (laughs) right, there's all these things, right, that can cause us to lose heart right they can drag us down they just happen don't they but paul deals with these things when he said he expresses this reality even though our outer nature is wasting away our inner nature is being renewed day by day now in the greek outer nature inner nature it's outer man inner man outer person inner person there is the outside the visible person, the outer person, is that the visible body, right? And it is wasting away. Anyone realize, is this true for anybody? Right? I look in the mirror and I'm like, the outer man is wasting away. Right? The hair is going, except for the places it's growing where it shouldn't. Right? You know, like, the outer man is its not what it used to be. That just happens, right? It just happens. The outer nature is wasting away. But the inner nature is being renewed day by day. Who, who renews that inner nature? Inner nature. The Lord, right? The Lord. That's right. He is the one restoring us day by day. So Paul describes it like our situation is kind of like a peach walking through a world in which everything is covered with sandpaper. Right? So that little poor little peach is walking through this world, and what's happening every time it brushes up against something? It's great, right? It gets parts of it peeled off. The outer nature just gets like that. It gets bruised and torn and broken. That is our reality as well. But the inside, the inside is being renewed day by day. Because um, the reality is, is that this, this stuff is only temporary, right? This life is temporary that we're living right now. Yes. This world, this body, it will pass away. And our call is to endure. Our call is to endure, to be strong. Now, endurance is helpful when you know that it's not going to last forever, right? Like if you went to the gym and you knew that you were going to have to be on the treadmill all the time for the rest of your life, like never go anywhere else, just be on the treadmill, would you ever go in the gym? No, you would never go in the gym. And I think many of us probably view the gym like that anyway. At least I do. I stay away from it like the plague, right? Um, But since we know that like, once you get on the treadmill, you got 20 minutes, right? Or whatever your time thing is, it makes it endurable. You can even look at the countdown, right? You can switch to countdown mode. You're like, okay, all right, almost there, right? Because we know that if there's an end, we can endure. We can endure. There's a defined period. We often are able to be strong enough for that period of time. Because we we have ahead of us a goal. And the goal that Paul defines that's ahead of us as Christians is that for this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. The goal is eternal life and glory with God. In light of that eternal life and glory, all these temporary struggles of our life here and now just fade into the distance. They fade away. Paul closes by saying, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now Paul is using poetic language here. But what he's trying to express is that this tent he's speaking of is our body. This body, and it is being destroyed. It is fading away, or as it is wasting away, and it will ultimately be destroyed. The skin that God has given us to live in for these days is here and now, and we live in it now, but in eternity we'll be given new flesh that is made by God and is eternal. No more of this fading away, no more wasting away, no more of it breaking down around us, falling apart before our eyes. So here we are now, walking around in our tents, tents that house the very glory of God, tents that are miniature apertures through which people can see God himself and his new creation at work. Because remember, the inner nature is being renewed how often? Day by day. day by day. Day by day. That's a miniature microcosm, a little view of eternal life happening inside of us day by day. New life, restoration, healing. These tents that we are remind us of an earlier tent that God built among his people, the Israelites. We call that tent the tabernacle. And it was the place that was used as a place of worship where God revealed himself to his people and dwelt in his glory, a visible sign for the nation of Israel and for the world that God is present. So here we are, living 2,000 years after Paul, in our tents, wondering what this means to us. Well, like I said earlier, every tent is designed for something. There's lightweight tents, heavy-duty tents, rain tents, You know, dry tents, whatever you want to have. But our tent has a specific purpose. The tent we live in, our bodies. And that purpose is to house God himself. We are designed to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now just like every tent, you can use your tent for other purposes, can't you? Right, I could open this tent up and I could throw in a pack of porcupines. Right, to live in that tent, couldn't I? Yeah. And what would happen to the tent? It'd be more like a sieve, right? I could strain spaghetti with it, and that would be great, but it wouldn't be very helpful when the rain started to fall. Right? wouldn't be helpful. Or I could fill it up with, like, the La Brea tar pits, right? This muck. I could just fill it up with that. But that is not what my tent is designed for. And ultimately, it will be the destruction of that tent. You and I, we're designed to house God. House God, isn't that radical? Yes. Have we invited him into our lives? Have we welcomed him into our tent? Once he is there, once he is present in us, you and I become windows through which people can see the new life of God working. They can see our sins being wiped out. They can see us being broken and brought up and resurrected again. They can see the hope working within us and working itself out in our lives. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely. You and I, we are called to be tense for God. This process, this process of being transformed is one that we falter at. Yet we ask the Lord to work in his grace in our lives, to bring us to repentance, to bring us to confession, to make us recipients of his forgiveness and mercy, and then to send us out into the world as these walking, talking tents showing the world the glory of God in how we love one another, care for each other, care for the hurt, the lost, the lonely. You and I, get to be living testimonies of the grace of God working itself out in our lives. May we go into the world with boldness, with courage, knowing that nothing can take that inner life from us. The outside, it will get scraped. It will fall apart eventually. But the the inner nature is being renewed day by day. May we go with courage and boldness in this world, proclaiming life in christ let's pray lord god thank you that you choose to dwell in people like us lord we confess to you our hardness of heart lord the fact that we want to be king of the temple or of our tent lord that we want to kick everything out and then fill it with all kinds of junk lord please bring us to repentance for this attitude help us to confess to you turn over that brokenness to you, Lord God, and allow you to fill our tent, Lord, to fill us up with your glory, your righteousness, and your hope. And then send us out into this world, Lord, as instruments of your peace, as people who share this hope, this life, and this new creation with others, Lord, so that they might know the hope and the restoration of loving you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord God, for dwelling with us, Lord. And we pray that you would give us the strength to move out in boldness in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.